all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Hey, everybody. Uh, listen, I'm here, and we're doing a thing. Uh, oh, boy. So much to talk about. Actually, not really. Uh, I'm doing this because Ayla and Miriam are back east. Uh, it is, uh, uh, so Ayla's birthday is July 1st, and, <clears throat> you know, it's summer vacation, and uh, they need to fill up that time with something, so they make, once again, the great pilgrimage back east uh, to uh, see Ayla's grandparents and her cousins and sweat like a beast in the uh, 90% humidity uh, Pennsylvania summers. And, uh, and today we're listening to the music of Wet Leg. Enjoy! Okay, so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's the summertime, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's been lovely here in the Bay Area, you know, it's been, it, it was really cold this, uh, spring, and by really cold, of course, I mean in the 50s, you know, in the 30s at night sometimes, you know, but, uh, sure, it's not East Coast, uh, you know, sideways snow into the eyeballs like razor blades cold. Uh, but, you know, for, for, I mean, this is why we live here, right? Because we want nice weather all the time. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so today's episode, uh, I realized, of course, last time after I did the previous episode, I forgot a whole bunch of stuff. So we're just gonna talk about all the other stuff that happened at Max FunCon that I totally forgot about. So let's start with uh, the great comedy mind of Chris Fairbanks. Uh, Chris Fairbanks is a very funny stand-up comic, and uh, if you are keeping track of my excited and bored photos uh, that I do, that I take every time I go to Max FunCon, uh, Fairbanks is the one who's got his kind of hair slicked slicked let's just it's not it's to the side i guess not back just to the side slicked and uh he's wearing like a hunting lodge shirt and he's got his hand on my shoulder and i've got this sort of pained expression on my face and it is without a doubt well with a doubt but it is i would say one of my favorite photos of all time because it just looks He's got his hand on my shoulder. It just looks kinetic. It just, you can just feel the weight of him. And he's doing like this big, like, hey, you know, face. And I'm just looking miserable. It looks like, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Gross Point Blank, when uh, John Cusack's character goes to the high school reunion and there's like, you know, big drunken oafish guys kind of hanging on him and and he just you know Cusack is just uncomfortable and he doesn't want to be there and all this stuff it's it that's what it feels like it just feels like 
Oh god, this guy again. Oh, but of course nothing could be further from the truth because I love uh, Chris Fairbanks. I and and um, what's interesting is is that the when that picture was taken, I asked him like what's you know, what's sort of the key to stand-up comedy? Like how do you know when something's funny enough to bring and on stage? And he told me and I totally forgot the answer because I had been drinking. And so that was a, 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 a big thing with me and Max FunCon this time. I was really like, I am not gonna drink too much because this is the problem, right? You go to Max FunCon, all the drinks are free. Doesn't matter how shitty the cheap wine is, I drink it anyway, you know? But I actually will applaud myself and I showed restraint. I had one drink uh it, while i was uh talking to uh blaine Capach and chris fairbanks and uh, i just nursed it the whole night and i went to bed at a reasonable time and uh, i feel like i did the right thing for once yay me progress so I asked Chris Fairbanks this time, I said, you know, I totally forgot what you said last time, so what, you know, what can you tell me about stand-up comedy? And he said, I said, I asked him, what changes over time? Um, what makes your jokes better? What makes the jokes funnier? What changes about the jokes? And he said, actually, it's not the jokes that change so much, it's my delivery. Because when you start, you just don't, you have no confidence, you're just up there, you're, you're, you know, you're saying these things, and you're not selling them right, you're not saying them right. And he's like, really, honestly, that more than anything is what the big difference is, is the delivery. And he said, and I'm really scared because it's been a long time since I've done stand-up because of COVID, and I'm not even sure what that delivery is anymore. So I gotta just try and remember. And, and okay, and you know, hey, he did a great job. So he doesn't have nothing, nothing to worry about, Chris Fairbanks. You still got it. So I also spoke to um, Blaine Kapach, who was there who I spoke to last time as well. And one of the things that he talked about, oh boy, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this last episode, but um, I got Blaine Kapach to laugh, which was a huge thrill for me. Uh, Blaine's not a huge laugher. Um, you know, he's not, I wouldn't call him serious, but he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't give it up easy. So um, we, I was talking to him and I, I was asking him about open mic nights and things like that, you know, because he, he was a San Francisco comic and I had done stand up. And I thought, oh, wouldn't, that, wouldn't this be crazy if we like we ran into the same people at open mic nights? But he he was, you know, way past. He had already been doing stand up like several years when he came to San Francisco. So he wasn't doing open mic nights anymore. But, um, but then we started talking about that and about how he wasn't doing open mic nights because he had so much experience. He just came in and started getting gigs. And he said, in his words, that pissed off a lot of other San Francisco comedians who were just grinding away, trying to get better. And then here I come in and all of a sudden I'm getting their gig or what they thought should have been their gigs. 
And then I remembered the, the people who used to host the open mic nights that I was performing at. And I got to say, oh, what? You mean Lank and Earl weren't thrilled to see you come to town? And that made him laugh just because he hadn't heard the name Lank and Earl in 20 or 30 years. And we talked a little bit about that. Um, but one of the things Blank Capanch said that was really interesting was he talked about how he constantly feels like he is talking too fast when he does his stand-up. And he's always having to remind himself to slow down and take it easy. And uh, I, I got to tell him, I was like, look, I've been listening to you tell jokes for 30 years. I've never once had that feeling that you talk too fast. Uh, and, but I certainly, I mean, I certainly am guilty of that. I talk too fast and too much. And, and there have been times in my life where I, someone has, will have said something and then, um, I have to wait because I have to wait for them to finish the sentence before I jump in with the thing I want to say. Uh, I'll give you my favorite example. I know I've told this here before, but I don't care. Um, so this was in college. We were all eating together around a table, and uh, the important people are um, Mike, uh, and he he's important to this story because Mike's mom is a therapist, and uh, Dan, who was uh, visiting, he was thinking about coming and to San Francisco State and studying, uh, but he was just you know sort of checking it out and checking out the scene. Uh, and he was friends of Dan and, or of Michael and Jeremy. And so I say to Dan, I say, Dan, what are you, what are you thinking you're going to study when you come to San Francisco State? And he said, oh, I was thinking I'd get a degree in, uh, what Mike's mom does, you know, meaning, you know, she's a therapist. And as soon as he said Mike's mom, I instantly wanted to jump in with the thing I wanted to say, but I didn't, I had to hold it back. I had to wait. It took all, all of my, my, uh, control not to jump in. So as soon as he finishes the sentence, oh, I was thinking I'd, uh, get a, or I, I would study what Mike's mom does. And I say, well, I didn't know you could get a degree in fucking Mike's dad. See, even then, even then, I was just a, a guy. I got tripped up a little bit there on Mike, Mike's dad, Mike's dad. You know, you gotta, you gotta, it's gotta be clear. Otherwise, it's not funny. But uh, so anyway. Oh, and the other thing, <laughs> the other thing that that Fairbanks did that I thought was really incredible is um, so Blaine's nine-year-old son Oliver is in the audience during the big stand-up showcase. And uh, Chris Fairbanks comes out, and, and, and Oliver, the, his, the nine-year-old, is right in the front row. And so Fairbanks says, like, oh, and look at you, and oh, little boy, how are you? Uh, and that's my Chris Fairbanks impression, which is spot fucking on, man. I didn't think I had, I mean, I realized we, I, uh, we'll, we'll get to Allie Gertz in, in a minute, but um, she asked me how uh, do, do I sound like anybody? And I she because she's like, I think you sound familiar. 
I sound like Chris Fairbanks. Just naturally, out of the gate, I sound like Chris Fairbanks. So he he spots Oliver in the front row, and he's trying to do this story, this joke about uh, being in a threesome. And but he doesn't. He's on the fly trying to rework it to not say threesome, but just like hugging. I think is what he swapped it out with. And I tell you. It made it way funnier, way funnier to watch this guy try and like not say threesome and then use all these crazy euphemisms and it made it so much better. Uh, he should have a nine-year-old uh, just on tour with him. Just put him, just any nine-year-old, doesn't matter. It's just, oh, hello, little boy, you know, and uh, all right, it wasn't as good that time, but uh, he, he should bring a kid with him every time and then... Uh, and then the next act should come out and just lean in hard on the cursing, just like, ah! Um, yeah, I, I was surprised, uh, that, uh, Blaine brings the boy around. But, you know, hey, uh, uh, Blaine's wife started out as a fan, and, uh, look, now they're married, they got a kid together, it's good old time. So uh, the other thing, uh, speaking of Allie Gertz, if we will, and and I will, you can't stop me, uh, is um, uh, we were talking about, uh, I can't remember what we were talking, I think we must have been talking about music, and because we spent a lot of time talking about the Beatles and whatever, and then I brought up um, my, you know, the when I think Beatles, Instantly, I go to the band Jellyfish because Jellyfish is the most Beatles derivative band I've ever heard in my life. And they're one of the reasons why I love them so much because I love the Beatles and why not love Jellyfish? And she did this move where you could tell she wanted to Fairbanks me. She wanted to put her hand on my shoulder and lean on me because she was so excited that another person had, you know, heard the band Jellyfish. But Max Funcon, they are very strict about consent, right? Like they are like, you do not touch another person unless they have expressly given you the go ahead, which great. I, I definitely err on that side rather than the, you know, rampant hugger, especially in the time of COVID. I mean, good grief. But she did this weird, like, tap thing. Like, she was about to put her hand on me and then realized she shouldn't. And then so it was this weird, like, oh, I'll just, I'll pet you like a, like a, like a dog I've never met before. Just a little, oh, oh there we go. And, you know... Uh, but it, it was weird because at the time she did it, I was like, huh, what's that about? And then it, it kicked in later. I was like, oh, right. That's probably what was going on. But, uh, and I know I brought this up on the podcast before because I know we've played the music of Jellyfish, but it's worth repeating, uh, because the band Jellyfish mirrors the Beatles career, except it's smashed into like two records instead of like, I don't know, nine or how many ever the Beatles had. Uh, but the drama around Jellyfish and why they imploded is so much crazier because what happened was the 
right, so they record the album. Uh, they have no bass player, so it's a guitarist. The guitarist also plays bass. They have a drummer, and then they have a keyboard player. So they're about to go on tour, and they hire the keyboard player's brother to play bass. Great, now we got a bass player. And then right before they go on tour, the guitarist hurts his hand, so he can't even play. So then they get this other guy to fill in for him. And then, speaking of good old San Francisco State, this guy goes to San Francisco State. So I go to San Jose to see Jellyfish perform at the Cactus Club, have a great time. Monday morning rolls around. I'm seeing the guitarist <laughs> from Jellyfish in the student union in the little cafe area. And I was like, holy, wait, I just saw you on stage. What are you doing here? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. The, you know, and, and so he tells me the whole story about the guitarist and the hand and whatnot. And it was so amazing because, like, everything I thought I knew about Jellyfish was completely wrong, right? These, these are, you know, they're, they're, they're so beatly. Um, and they're talking about taking the train into town. And, and I'm, you know, assuming, like, you know, the London skyline and all this. No, these are guys from the East Bay. They're, like, from, like, El Cerrito or Oakland or something. Like, they're not, you know, they're, their train that they're taking into town is the BART. You know, it's not nearly as glamorous as uh, some uh, London whatever. Uh, but, I, you know what? I have to correct myself. Uh, this I didn't realize this was the, the the jellyfish guitarist until after the after the first album and I think maybe after the tour was over because uh, it was before the second album that's right and I because I asked him I was like so why are you know what what's going on with the band and he said oh yeah it was it was so weird because, um, you know, after the tour, the original guitarist's hand had gotten better, but somehow during the time of the tour that they had just evolved creatively too far and away from what this guy was into, so then, like, to record another album with him didn't make any sense and then i was like well what about you when did you play on the album and he was like oh no no my musical sensibility is bananas crazy so i couldn't play with them and i was like okay and then i said so what what did they do you know what did they do and he said well they found another guitarist but also they fired the bass player because he wasn't any good and they just got him to do the tour so you know and what was funny about that is that was the guy's brother and they replaced him almost instantly right like finding another i mean that's got to be heartbreaking right like you're the guy's brother you should you know just take a second, <laughs> take a minute, you know? I, I shouldn't be that easy to replace. Oh no, yeah, you are, yeah, get out of here. I mean, you, I can't replace you as my brother, but as a bass player, yeah, yeah, no, you suck. Yeah, yeah time to hit the bricks, dude. Okay, so uh, that's uh, it for the, the Max FunCon recap. Um, I, I will say that, um, the, the other big news, let's see, what is it? It is July 5th, uh, 2022. 
Um, I got offered a different job today, and I could not be more thrilled. Um, I am still extremely paranoid that somehow it's something's gonna go wrong, and I don't know what that could be, but, you know, you hear these stories all the time about, you know, oh, somebody offered me a job, but then they rescinded the offer and all this stuff, and I'm just like... I don't know. I'm still so superstitious about it. Um, yeah, so, but, god damn it, I hate this job that I currently have so much. Uh, it was really depressing me, and I felt trapped, and I was never getting out of it. And I was really concerned, too, because um, I have been watching this show on Apple TV Plus called Slow Horses. Highly recommend Slow Horses. Uh, it's a it's a British spy drama with Gary Oldman, who is in charge of a bunch of misfit agents, and uh, they actually wind up doing a really good job at their job being agents. But there's this one guy who is in this misfit house who's really good at his job. It's just that he's so abrasive, everybody hates him. Nobody wants to work with him. So they just stuck him in that in the misfits house. Just be like, please just get out of our hair and go over there. So I was beginning to feel a little bit like that. I was I was really like, oh dear God, like is this is this why I haven't been able to change jobs? Is because I just go into these interviews and I think I'm charming and fun and delightful and then it turns out everybody just hates working with me? Ugh, gross. But I guess that's not the case. I guess I made it. Oh, please, please, please nothing go wrong. <sighs> okay. Whew. But I'm not drinking tonight. I am. I'm, I've. I've been. I've got my water. It's uh, almost uh, 9:45, and uh, well, I think I'm gonna pack it up. So, from me, the music of Wet Leg and Bright Brown. Oh, please let this job work out, and let's do this one more time.